1: Welcome into The Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host and I'm here with Mark Griffith, our co-host and executive producer. We want to thank you all for starting your weekend with us and we have a great show lined up for you today. Um, Before we do get to our guest, I would like to tell you guys a couple of ways to plug in with us. You can go to thehousinghour.com. It's kind of the crown jewel of all of our uh, information and of all of our platforms. Um, under thehousinghour.com, you're going to have links to our series, the Protect Your Family, Homeownership Matters, um, all the different series that we have done. Uh, you can can go check those out, listen to past shows. You can read our blogs, um, and and we link up with lots of different folks. So we'd love for you guys to go to the Housing Hour. Of course, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com/slash/thehousinghour, and uh, Twitter, the at thehousinghour. You can check us out there. Now, we have um, kind of went back and forth to doing some Homeownership Matters, some Protect Your Family, and we're diving headfirst back into Protect Your Family. Um, and I want to introduce our guest who is our um, expert that has been on with us before, Robert Cicliano. He is um, a prote- He actually specializes in many different things, but personal and home security expert, Robert Cicliano, uh, Cicliano is here with us today. Thanks for coming in, Robert.
2: Thank you so much.
1: And, um, you know it's 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 very interesting to me because here here's here's what I want to start out with is we want to talk about the Boston Marathon bombing and and for the folks that are listening Robert was actually racing um, in the Boston Marathon race uh, when those two pressure cooker bombs went off on April fifteenth that killed three people and injured two hundred and sixty four. And Robert, you were, were, I guess, maybe three quarters or more done with the race. But first, I want you just to, I know you had your family there and, you know, being what you are and your protection and and all the different things that you do, um, you had a real front row seat to history. Tell me your experience.
2: So I actually uh, was more than three quarters. I was um, there. Uh, Okay. Got stopped at the twenty-six mile mark, which is uh, point .2, which is less than a quarter of a mile away oh, wow. from the uh, finish line. Uh, I had uh, run a pretty good race that day. You know, last year I did a, a five-hour and thirty-two minutes uh, slog of a, of a run, which was due to the eighty-six degree heat. And uh, this year, I was set to run four hours and 12 minutes. Mm. Uh, so my time improved dramatically uh, based on my training in the in the, the cooperative weather. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful day. It was, you know, in the 60s, and the sun was out, and the uh, occasional cloud cover, you know, protected you from, you know, the sun beating on you all day. And, you know, the whole way, you know, you're smelling people cooking uh Barbecue ribs and uh, burgers and dogs and it was it was heavenly. It was a great day. It was a, yeah. a perfect run. It was like it was one of the best days ever. And when I got to Boston, you know the crowd was crazy. They were fun. They were wild. And when I got to Boylston Street, I had uh, rounded the corner uh, to get onto Boylston Street from what's called Hereford Street. And as I was taking a left to get on Boylston, uh, I saw. The finish line through dissipating smoke. So Whoa, man. the Boston police had immediately stopped the runners from going any further. They uh, didn't allow us to complete the run because apparently two bombs had gone off, right. uh, which we didn't know. We were just getting there. The runners that I was in a pack with. Um, uh, people started. To sc- you started to hear people say "bomb" and scream "bomb," and the police said, "You can't go any further because there's a bomb." and in your head as a runner you know you've just run just about 26 miles and your only motivation at this point your only thought process is to cross the finish line you're not thinking stop running you're not right. thinking bomb you're not thinking anything other than boylston street is the is where the finish line is and every every step you take on boylston is like crossing the finish line it's about a a quarter of a mile or a half mile or so of just nonstop joy. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to keep going, regardless of bombs. I, did, I didn't believe them. like It just didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. But as I saw people beginning to disperse and people screaming and running, and the smell of smoke that was not that of smoked ribs yeah. began to make sense to me. Mm. And, and as I re- began to realize that, yes, in fact, the bomb had gone off, I um, got on the phone, I called my wife, who I couldn't get, which made me go into a little bit of a panic. And then um, I started running, uh, meaning that there was a, a human barrier that the Boston police had created to prevent any runners from going further down Boylston. And I basically circumvented that. I, I pushed a couple of cops aside and I started running down Boylston knowing that my family was at the finish line, and I didn't know where the bombs had gone off. I didn't know where my family was. I couldn't get in touch with them, Hmm. and I didn't care that I was essentially breaking the law at this point, you know, by uh, evading law enforcement. I just needed to get to my family. Where where was your family? They were about 50 yards from where the first bomb had gone off. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah, they were right there. They were right, right beyond the finish line, I've
1: seen so many pictures. I know exactly what you're talking about. There's, there's the the thing that the big, obviously the finish line, and it happened on, you know, I guess in the pictures that I saw, you know, in, so they were in the foreground, I guess, 50 yards past the finish line.
2: So the the all the video that you've seen of the first bomb going off, uh, my family was essentially behind the cameraman.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Uh, they, were, they, were, they were behind the cameraman, the opposite side of the street, about 50 yards from that point.
1: I mean, there was windows that were blown out across the street, so did they see any, were they injured at all?
2: No, they were far enough away where they felt the the, the percussion of, of the bomb. They obviously heard it and saw the smoke. And my dad, who was with my wife and kids, and along with my sister-in-law mm-hmm. and her girlfriend and my stepmom, they, they were all right there, and my dad's first reaction, the moment the bomb went off, was he yelled the word, bomb. He just yelled, bomb, hmm. because that's what his reaction was. Right. He heard it, he saw the smoke, he saw the blast, and he screamed, bomb. And then he immediately retracted into, into himself, in his head, saying, well, maybe it wasn't a bomb. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I'm going to cause a panic. Maybe maybe it was a transformer. He immediately felt bad. He did that, thinking that he's going to cause undue panic. Yeah. And then, of course, 12 seconds later, the second bomb went off.
1: Now, the second bomb went off pretty close. I guess it was, where was it, a, a block past, or where was the second bomb that went off?
2: It was, it was a little bit more than a block past the um, first bomb. Mm-hmm which was right at the 26-mile mark.
1: Okay, wow. Which is, which so is that's where, where you came stopped. from. Oh. Ooh.
3: So
2: when when my dad heard the second blast, he grabbed my family, and they, 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 they backed off from the sidewalk and went up against the Boston Library where um, there was a little bit of cover, mm-hmm. uh, thinking that, You know, they wanted to get away from the crowd, and he wanted to get into a relative safe spot, but my wife wouldn't leave at that point, because in her mind, I was coming down Boylston Street, because I was being tracked by numerous people. Your bib, your running bib, which has your number on it, Mm -hmm. uh, has a, a transponder in it that basically is sort of like a GPS, where the... Boston Athletic Association can track you along with anybody else who wants to know where you're running, uh, mm. w- w- where you are in the race. So we had friends that were watching on a computer my um, uh, whereabouts. Wow. And so they were telling my wife, he's right on Boylston Street. He's right where um, you are, except, you know, another, you know, several hundred yards uh, right. away.
1: And, and you have and, chaos, I'm sure, at that moment.
2: It was chaos. Yeah. My wife didn't want to leave because she was concerned that I would be hit by another bomb. I didn't care what was going on as far as bombs going off. I just knew that I had to get to my family. So I kept going towards where the bombs were going off. Hmm. But then Boston police stopped me once and they they were yelling at me and they said, you need to get off Boylston. Another bomb could go off any time. And then the cop you know, brought me to the sidewalk and then he walked away. And I just kept running down Boylston Street again. Yeah. So I got to the 26-mile mark, and and around that area I was running by people that were laying on the ground bleeding, Mm. uh, that were passed out, and they did have assistance, meaning that the Boston Athletic Association's volunteers, along with Boston Police and uh, EMT's first responders, were assisting these people. So I did need to make a conscious decision whether or not to or stop and help them, or continue on to find my family.
3: Yeah.
2: And, I, and I, I obviously kept going to get my family, but never felt good about keeping going because, you know, you're not supposed to run by people that are bleeding on the ground.
4: Hey, Robert, how old are your kids? Because we all have kids, and yeah. you have young ones. Yeah, they're four and seven, little girls. Oh, oh my goodness. So yeah. you just must have been out of your mind.
2: Yeah, it was um, it was messed up. You know, just you asking that question messed me up. Mm. Um, they they got my seven year old knew what was going on. You know, seven year olds are pretty aware. Yeah, and my seven year old nothing gets past her. And um, I got to the twenty six mile mark and. Uh, I was forced off the road at this point. There was no going any further. It, it was impossible for me to pass, unless I hopped the fence and, and fended off additional law enforcement and military personnel that were now now guarding the area where the, the
1: crime scene. Right?
2: Yeah. They they, they were they were preventing uh, through numerous layers of security anybody from passing down any further down Boylston's at this point. Now keeping in mind that the majority of the runners that were on Boylston when the initial blast had occurred had already passed the finish line and I was the only runner at that point on Boylston because I was evading law enforcement to get to my family and everybody else had already passed and I was the only one on Boylston other than first responders and uh, Boston Athletic Association officials so I, I was a hazard at this point. I, I was I was a hazard to law enforcement. Like I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. Mm. But when bombs are going off and your family is is at risk, you know, you don't do things that are sensible. You do things that you need to do to secure your family. yeah, um,
1: well, let me ask you this question. I mean, and we only have about two minutes left in this segment, but we'll continue on on the other side of the break. We have Robert Cicliano here. He's a home and personal security expert. Um, he was at the Boston Marathon a quarter of a mile, no, less than a quarter of a mile um, from where the bombs went off. His family was at the finish line. He's describing for you the mad dash that he made to try to um, get to his family, and, and, and it's just really uh, incredible uh, testimony that you're sharing with us. Um, I do want to also ask you, in the middle of all of that, um, what allowed you really, I mean, was it your experience? Because most people were just so in shock, and I'm sure you were too, but there there was something about you that helped, that, that kind of kept your faculties together. And I, I heard your CNN interview, I believe, and you talked about, you know, just trying to, you know, kind of bring your family together and, you know, getting out of there, but trying to make it not scary. I mean, how did you keep that as a parent? How did you keep yourself together? Uh, in that moment.
2: So I'll I'll, I'll probably discuss when I reached my family and what we did uh, as far as evacuating after the break. Absolutely. As I was running down Boyleson street, you know, in in your head as a human, as a man, as a security professional, my motivation was to get my family to safety. Right. And so in my head, I'm thinking, okay, bombs went off. Um, I'm thinking more than likely they went off on the sidewalks because I didn't see them go off. Mm. But I'm thinking they're not going to go off in the middle of the road. They're going to go off either in a restaurant, a bar, um, or a sidewalk, someplace that's well populated. Right. And so what I did was is I, I ran down the, the center of Boylston Street thinking that if another bomb was to go off, it was going to go off on a sidewalk or in a restaurant mm-hmm. where I would avoid a certain amount of, um, shrapnel or bro- or broken glass, uh, if another uh, bomb didn't go off.
1: Yeah. Well, let, let's let's dive back in once we come back from break because I think you're also describing for us what we need to know about protecting ourselves in the pu- in a public forum. I mean, you had bombs going off. You had no idea what was to come. Whether there was more bombs to go off. We're here with Robert Siciliano. We're going to continue down this uh, line of questions, and I really appreciate it com- coming on with us. We'll be right back after these messages. Great.
2: Where is this going to come from? There's no way. How am I going to pay my mortgage?
3: First, I'd lose my job. And now, I'm about to lose my house. What happened to the American dream? There's got to be something I can do. There is. Keep My Tennessee Home has U.S. funds for struggling Tennessee homeowners. Visit Keep My Tennessee Home at keepmytnhome.org and see if you qualify. Today.
5: Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call. 777-1040 or visit our website at tanox.com.
6: Have a splash at the coolest place in town, Clayton Safari Splash at Knoxville Zoo. It's not just a splash pad, it's a very fabulous splash pad. At 5,000 square feet, it's the largest in Knoxville. Clayton Safari Splash at Knoxville Zoo includes play areas that appeal to everyone, from toddlers to teenagers, and there's even an area for the entire family to enjoy a little water fun. Clayton Safari Splash features two life-size giraffes that water. It also has water hoops and loops, team sprays that send water high into the air, and colorful, larger-than-life giant flowers. And the best part? All of this splishy, splashy fun is included with your zoo admission. Or if you're a zoo member, with your zoo membership, so you can play all summer long. So, get your splash on at the coolest place in town, Clayton Safari Splash at Knoxville Zoo. Visit knoxvillezoo.org for details. Let's go to the zoo! Hey,
1: I'm Kevin Ray, host of The Housing Hour. Please join me and my co-host Mark Griffith every Saturday from 8 to 9 as we bring you the latest news from the housing market.
4: And be sure to check out our website, thehousinghour.com, for great resources on housing-related issues and links to
1: our archived shows. So join me, Kevin Ray, and Mark Griffith each week as we tackle issues of homeownership. The Housing Hour is a locally produced show presented by Mortgage Investors Group. The Housing Hour, Saturdays from 8 to 9, right here on WOKI.
4: Home ownership matters, and Mortgage Investors Group wants to help you with all your home financing needs. Whether it's a purchase or refinance, our federally licensed loan officers are ready to help you sort through all the mortgage loan options. So call us today, 800-489-8910, or visit us online at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Orange Investors Group, your
3: home loan solution for the past 23 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 109111. Attention men, if you're urinating more often or waking at night to urinate, we want to send you a free bottle of Beta Prostate. Beta Prostate is our best-selling supplement, made with a natural ingredient that supports healthy urine flow and more complete bladder emptying. It's also been shown to reduce waking at night from the urge to urinate. To find out how to get your free bottle, just call 800-467-5160. Since Beta Prostate debuted, our warehouse has shipped over 2 million bottles. But there are still men who have yet to discover this amazing supplement. That's why for a limited time, you can try a full 30-day supply of Beta Prostate free. You only pay shipping and handling. This free Beta Prostate giveaway is only available while supplies last. And once it's gone, it's gone. Just call 800 800- 467 5160. That's 800 467 5160. Call 800 467 5160. Monday is Memorial Day. Our best of show includes Rainbow Communion Brit.
0: Yep. The controversial Bishop E.W. Jackson, Texting and Driving, Apple and Taxes, and Commissioners McKenzie and Smith. Show starts at 6. Have a great holiday weekend. The Halloran Hilton Hill Morning Show, News Talk 987 WOKI.
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our co-host and executive producer. We're here with Robert Siciliano, and he's he's going over um, the details from his experience from the 18th, April 15th bombings, the the um, Boston Marathon bombings. And um, before we move on, uh, Mark, do you mind telling the folks the website um, that you we want to direct people to?
4: Yeah, Robert, if you can, tell us your, the website and who you're uh, an expert security person
2: for now. So I'm with um, uh, besthomesecuritycompanies.com. That's companies with a Y. Uh, besthomesecuritycompanies.com provides um, education and awareness regarding your personal security uh, as it pertains to violence and protection. Also, uh, of course, uh, keeping your home and family safe and secure while you're home or, or, or traveling or on business. Uh, and they provide reviews, uh, expert reviews, on uh, home alarm systems uh, yeah. so that uh, you can uh, make an educated decision as to what's the best option for you
1: it's great it's a really user-friendly site it's very functional it's it's great it's a good site and
2: robert
4: your personal website where you have and we call our website a treasure trove of information you you have triple treasure trove of information <laughs> yeah. on your website it's incredible tell everybody how they can get into your website and see some of these things
2: Sure. I'm online at uh, idtheftsecurity.com. Again, that's idtheftsecurity.com, and um, I provide uh, consumer education on uh, personal security and information security issues so that uh, you're better informed, better aware, you know what your options are, and you don't uh, necessarily need to be a victim of a crime.
1: Well, let, let's go ahead and let you continue because when we left the break, and we'll talk more about that in the third segment, I'd like to go over it. We're going to go over some of the, the top 10 things or some things that we can do to protect our home. Um, but I, I want to continue talking to you about your experience um, because this is a real-life si- mm-hmm. situation where you had to go into action and protect your family. Um, continue where you were. I think you were still talking about um, getting to your family.
2: So I was— at about the 26-mile mark, where I was, at that point, forced off Boylston Street. There was no going any further. Mm-hmm. And my only option was to um, snake through the back alleys behind the restaurants and bars where the bombs had gone off, meaning that the um, all the windows had been blown out of the uh, front of some of the restaurants, mm. and those people were forced to evacuate out the back door these establishments. And as I'm running down the alleys behind the restaurants and bars where where the bombs had gone off, uh, filtering into the alleys were hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, if not thousands at this point, uh, that um, had uh, been either um, affected by the blast where they had been uh, cut, uh, so they were bleeding, many of them, uh, by shrapnel or glass. Uh, or uh, various uh, other forms of debris or others even being trampled because there was a lot of chaos. And there were alarms that were going off in many of these establishments, fire alarms, smoke alarms. And uh, so it was it was chaos in the alleys. And what was interesting was as I'm running down the alley and there's hundreds of people that I'm running through, I was the only runner at this point. I, I, I was just you know, one runner amongst all these... Um, Uh, event attendees. Many of them were drunk, which was obvious to me because they were, you know, been partying for hours that day. Uh, Many of them were crying. Um, There were some even laughing, like they didn't understand the gravity of the situation. Uh, Some were on their mobile phones, you know, waving their arms in the air in a panic. Uh, So I saw many different kinds of people doing many different things in many different ways in the in many different conditions which was very interesting to me like i saw all kinds of stuff in these people's faces and and, in their body language and and i just thought it's been odd to me ever since that i picked up on all that but that's that's all part of my awareness that i've developed over the years you know situational awareness
1: absolutely
2: and and as i'm running one thing that i i i you know sticks out I was running through blood, you know, even yeah. in the back alleys behind the restaurants and bars, with all the people that were evacuating. There was a trail of blood that I was running through, and I don't know if it equated to pints or gallons, but I knew I didn't want to run in it. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I, uh, as I'm running through the crowd, I, I actually had people cheering me on, which was. Odd enough, because the bombs had just gone off. Like they right. were cheering me on as I'm running through the alley. Uh, again, more than likely, just drunk people that didn't understand what was going on. Right. Uh, you anyway, know, it's Boston. It's a marathon. That's what you do. Right, you know, right. it's a it's a it's a it's a day of partying. People people are off of work and they and thousands and thousands and millions they filter into town. So I get to the I get to the back side of the finish line. So I had essentially crossed over the, the finish line through the alleys, and I get to the back side of the finish line, and there was some BAA officials, Boston Athletic Association officials, that um, allowed me to cross Boylston Street at that point, because it was now beyond the crime scene, you know, beyond uh, the areas that had been roped off. And what's and, the cross
1: street right there?
2: Pardon? What's the you?
1: the cross street that that it it kind of, to give me a mile marker,
2: So um, the way it it goes on Boylston, it's like the streets are like D, E, F, G, and H. Uh
3: Uh,
2: I had come down H, and I think I had crossed over D, which I think is Dartmouth. Okay. Uh, And so I crossed over. I think it was Dartmouth. It was either Dartmouth or Exeter where I crossed over. Uh, I tend to think it was Dartmouth. And uh, I get on the backside of the finish line, and I ended up, in front of the Boston Library, pretty much where my family were, mm. and I called my wife again. I couldn't get her because now at this point, you know, the cell lines are all jammed up. Oh yeah. But I made another phone call, and I got my dad on the phone. And my dad um, had begun to evacuate my family. And when him and I connected, I instructed him to meet me to the at the back side of the Western Hotel, which is exactly what he did. He met me at the back side of the Western Hotel. This is going on about 20 minutes later now, which you can imagine is like the longest 20 minutes of my life. Oh, I can only imagine. And and so once I um, uh, got to my dad uh, and my family, I saw that my wife had uh, been carrying my 4-year-old for a good half a mile. And, you know, a four-year-old, they weigh upwards of 40, 50 pounds. Sure. And so I saw her in her face. She was just completely exhausted. And I and the first thing I did was I grabbed my four-year-old, and I, I, I picked her up, and I instructed everybody to follow me. And my dad's like, no, I'm going to go get my car. Now that you, are, now that you have your family, I'm going to go get my car. It's in the parking garage. And I immediately barked at my father, no, you're coming with me, you're getting in my car, we're getting out of the city right now, because yeah. there was a few things going through my head. I was smelling smoke, and that, and it was not the smoke of, of smoked ribs, it was not right. the smell of barbecue, it was the smell of, of a bomb going off, Right. and I didn't know if it was a dirty bomb, I didn't know oh, yeah. uh, oh, if another bomb point. was going to go off, and, and I didn't want my father out of my sight.
1: Absolutely.
2: I wanted him with me. Yeah. And so he 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 slightly resisted and then he agreed to come with me because I was extremely persistent and there was no not leaving me. Right. And so my dad, my stepmom, my sister-in-law, her girlfriend, many of them were in other vehicles. Like my sister-in-law went came in another vehicle, her girlfriend came in another vehicle. They all followed me, my wife uh, back to my vehicle, which was parked another half a mile away. And mind you, I had just run 26 miles.
4: Yeah, yeah. exactly. And
2: oh. I can barely walk, never mind uh, walk quickly, hmm. uh, carrying a 50-pound kid. So, hmm. But it didn't matter because I was running on 100% adrenaline at this point. Oh, absolutely. And everybody followed me back to my vehicle, and I piled uh, nine adults and children into my vehicle that handles six Mm. and, um, uh, everybody's sitting on each other's laps. And now at this point I'm driving, you know, which is the funniest thing because I shouldn't be driving. I shouldn't be, I should be a passenger. I, you know, but I I was in control because I was, uh, this is what I do. Mm. You know, this is the nature of my profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, is it, security and, and in my head, my entire mindset was to evacuate my family to get them to safety. Mm-hmm. And and I, when I talked to my dad, when, when I talked to him, and I said to him, walk down the middle of the road. I want I don't want anybody in the sidewalks. Walk down the middle of the street. Obviously, stay away from cars, but but stay in the middle of the street because if another bomb goes off, it, it's going to go off on a sidewalk or in a restaurant, mm-hmm. and you're safest in the middle of the road. So that, that's what they did. And so once I got to them, I took control, and we got out of there. And once we got in my vehicle, I saw that my 7-year-old my was a little shaken up, and I heard it in her voice at different times during the walk. And I asked her, I said, honey, how would you do today? Did you have fun? And and she said, yeah, it was great until the bombs went off.
1: Yeah, I remember you saying that on that interview.
2: And, and, and I heard Heard her in her voice that she was shooken up. You know, yeah. I heard fear in my seven-year-old's voice.
1: Mm, you never like to hear that, and it's and not, I, I remember listening to you um, giving that interview. And and to me, when I heard you say that, it was uh, almost a testimony to her. You know, kind of at this stage in her life and, and, and not that she was making light of it in any way, but she kind of understood the difference between the first part of the day and yeah, this had a bad turn of events and, but dad is here now. I, so I, I, I feel safe. And I think that that's really uh, an amazing story because you took control and you, you did what you had to do, you know, just on the, you know, borderline of breaking the law, but you had to do what you had to do. And I think that, that that's a real testament to you and your character and, and what you do. And and, and definitely, I, I appreciate you sharing that piece of it. So tell me about the ride home, the rest of it, and and kind of where, where you went from there.
2: So, you know, the first inclination is to turn the radio on to see what's going on, because, you know, you want to know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, you've heard no I, I news my... at this
1: point. At this point, you've heard no news. You just know bombs went
2: off. I, I, I knew bombs went off, and, and, and you know, you've also got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old in the car, and you want to, like, kind of shield them from the truth.
1: Yes. Because, I do it every day. <laughs> right.
2: Because the truth, fa- frankly, sucks sometimes. Yeah. You're right. And you want to shield them because it's just too much information for them to process. Exactly. So the adults did what they could to speak in code, but it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, but we did keep the radio off, and we just tried to, like, you know, speak without into too much detail. Right. Um, like, I didn't express the, the fact that I had seen people laying in the ground all bleeding and bloody and everything else. Right. I didn't express that in the ride home. Right. Um, uh, but I did check with my 7-year-old, and I when I heard she was in fear, I just kind of, like... Got everybody out of the city. We were parked in a manner in which we avoided the 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 um, oncoming gridlock that occurred, uh, preventing people from getting anywhere. And there was a lot of panic as well. But we, because of where I parked, we were out of the city. The bombs had gone off, I believe, around two fifty one. right? Uh, and I we were home by three fifty.
4: Wow, hey, Robert, um, you're you're giving us such a great. Uh, Vision into your mind of what was going on at that period of time. Did it ever? Did you ever ask the question? Did you ever think about who would have done this, or were you in a different mindset? Um, well,
2: at that point, it, it didn't. At that point, yeah, I, I, I uh, I'm thinking of course Al Qaeda. I'm thinking organized terrorist groups. I, you know, the last thing in my head was, you know, checked in, checking in rebels right. that, that were based in Watertown, Mass, that were, you know, going to Russia. Uh, but I'm thinking Al-Qaeda of some sort, you know, right. um, or some, you know, w- you know, whacked out you know, white guy from Tennessee. I mean, this is, this, <laughs>
1: this,
2: this is just what you think. You know, right. you, think, you, you think, you know, some extremist that, you know, he has an agenda. I mean, you know, why I'm thinking Tennessee, I don't know. I mean, but this is what you think. And, and, and frankly, it's what you hope for. You know, you hope it's home brewed terrorism. Mm. You know, you hope it's not al-Qaeda. Because if it's if it's if it's home brewed terrorism, then it's one guy who's living with his mom that you just take care of.
3: Right, exactly.
2: Whereas if it's Al Qaeda, you've got thousands of people you got to deal with, or potentially yeah. millions.
3: Absolutely.
2: Uh, so th- that's what everybody's thinking and hoping. And and uh, and my you know and, and as I'm thinking as I'm driving home, I'm saying this is without a doubt going to be international news in the next ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And as soon as yeah. you got home. The first thing that we did was turn the television on, mm-hmm. uh, because you want to know if more bombs had gone off, how, how how big the problem was. Mm-hmm. You know, you need information at this point for personal security reasons. I Absolutely. wanted to know how this could ha- affect
1: us. Yeah. Well, why don't we why don't we um, come back to this on the third segment, and then I'd like to talk also about some of the other things that you have on your website. We're talking with Robert Siciliano. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Market realities in the housing market are making this a great time to buy. Home prices are right. Rates are rock bottom low. It's time to act. But you need a company primed to help you take advantage of the great opportunity. That company, Mortgage Investors Group. Refinancing. First, let's talk about that. What if you could take your 30-year mortgage and turn it into a 15? You could save hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mortgage Investors Group can get it done with payments close to your 30. That way, your house can be paid off before the kids finish high school. If you're a first-time home buyer, you're going to love Mortgage Investors Group. They have programs where you don't have to make a huge down payment, plus their information is accurate and reliable, and they get their deals done in 30 days or less. Best in the state for 10 years running. Go to their great new website, migonline.com, and find one of the 18 locations closest to you. The opportunities are real. The American dream is within reach. Let's get started. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution for the past 23 years. Equal housing lender, mortgage license 109111.
5: Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call. 777-1040 or visit our website at TANOX.com.
4: Spring is just around the corner. Temperature begins to warm. Plants start to bloom. And truthfully, what's more fun than planting a garden with your family and letting your kids pick out the flowers? Mortgage Investors Group wants to help you make these precious memories come true for you. Whether it's a purchase or a refinance, we have the loan to fit your needs. So call us today, 800-489-8910, or visit us online at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution for the past 23 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 1091. If you're looking for a friendly,
0: full-service community bank, Commercial Bank has everything you need, especially when it comes to lending. Your home is your biggest investment, your most valuable asset. Choosing the right lender is key. Commercial Bank offers great rates for home mortgages and refis, plus experienced loan officers to take you through the process. Stop by a Commercial Bank branch today, and you'll find a home loan just for you. Knoxville locations include Halls, Powell, Fountain City, and West Knoxville, and on the web at CBTN.com. Commercial Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to
3: credit approval. Are you in the market to purchase a new home? Many first-time homebuyers and veterans qualify for 2 or 4% down payment grants from the Tennessee Housing Development Agency. THDA offers 30-year fixed-rate mortgages insured by FHA, VA, USDA, or conventional loans. For more information, please visit our website at www.thda.org.
6: It's the 22nd annual CARM Golf Classic, Thursday, June the 13th at Avalon. This year, CARM has an exciting new format that will help over 1,000 people hear the CARM story golfers this year will become CARM ambassadors reaching out to friends and family for financial support. Help us reach our goal this year of over $100,000 and provide food for the thousands we support every day. To become a CARM ambassador and golf for CARM, please visit CARM.org.
1: Hey everyone, this is Kevin Ray with the Housing Hour and we want you guys to call Josh White at Home Harvest. Josh can build a vegetable garden in your backyard any size that you want. And that's what he does. He can help design a plan for you and your garden. Call Josh today at Home Harvest. And that's at 865-712-2745. Home Harvest, 865-712-2745.
6: For today, look for bright sunshine across East Tennessee. After a chilly start, it's a warmer finish. Highs around 75 degrees. From the VLT Local Aid Weather Center, I'm Chief Meteorologist David Aldridge.
0: News Talk 98.7.
1: We're back here on the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray. I'm your host, uh, and we're here with Mark Griffith, our co-host and executive producer, and we're here again with Robert Cicliano, and um, Robert was in Boston on April 15th. He had almost completed, um, really for all intents and purposes, he completed the Boston Marathon. Uh, He's a personal and home security expert. Um, You can find him uh, a couple of places, besthomesecuritycompanies.com, and then also... uh, what is the ID theft one? Could you give that out for us again, too, Robert?
2: It's, yes, yeah, it's IDtheftsecurity.com. It's my uh, uh, business website. Okay. And um, you can learn more about uh, protecting your identity, your information, and your personal security there as well.
1: And we have that on our website as well on and, the housing. And a link app. to his book because he's got yeah. a great and book. The out. book is incredible. The book is really well written and, and easy to read. So. Um, I want you to wrap up kind of your day um, from the Boston Marathon. And, and then let's talk about some things because people are always going to events. I mean, I'm going to events all all of the time in the work that I do. And, and I know that, you know, there's just events and, you know, brought, uh, off air. Mark was talking about, you know, because he goes to New York some. I've been to yeah, New York several times. St. Patrick's Day Parade in yeah, New York. You know, and also the, the Thanksgiving Day Parade my wife and I want to go to. Um, wrap up that and then maybe share with us just some points, some tips, some things that people can do in these big events. Um, you know, if you go to New York for the the New Year's Eve thing, you know, yeah. so just some different things you could share with us.
2: Sure. So to, to wrap up my, my overall experience, I had, you know, once we got home, we ordered a bunch of pizzas because, you know, In my head, I'm saying to myself, I want everybody to feel as normal as possible. And so when bombs go off, you order pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, and that's what we did. And everybody ate, and it brought a degree of normalcy to everybody's chaotic mindset at that point. Mm. Uh, And then I took a quick shower, and then when I sent out that message on Facebook telling everybody that I was okay, uh, everybody responded kindly, but and then the request for the media came in, and I spent the rest of the evening and the next day doing media, and um, I've been doing it ever since, and and I'll I'll continue to tell this story as long as it, it, it wakes people up to the fact that you know there is 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 is, is bad as this is, uh, it, it's you know it's not hopeless that there are things that you can do. Protect, to protect yourselves, to protect your family, to increase your situational awareness, to um, essentially make it so that you know you see if you see something, you say something, mm. uh, and and that's that's one of the messages that I've been communicating. That is one of the Department of Homeland Security's messages as well. And people m- may think that you know it's falling on deaf ears, but and that really is uh, the key with with security issues. You know, if you see something, you Say something, and I guarantee you, I'll bet anything, that somebody somewhere saw one of those two idiots putting down the duffel bags, putting down their backpacks and walking away. Yeah. And when when that happens, you know, when they see something, then the best thing to do is to say something. And that means to get an authoritative figure, somebody who's in a, a position of power to do something about it, yeah. uh, to, to call law enforcement, to call fire department, to call the bomb squad. And while people might see something, they may not say something because they fear that they could be wrong, or yeah. they fear that they could embarrass themselves, uh, or that they are exaggerating a potential situation. But look, you know, this life we have is a one-time deal. Like, this ain't no dress rehearsal. Right. You know, this is it. We're on. That's right. And, and there are bad guys out there doing bad things. And, and chances are the, the people who know these bad guys knew that they were up to no good. And, and somebody didn't say something when they mm. could have and, and when they should have. Yeah. You know, people talk, and they weren't entirely secretive that they kept it from everybody in their lives. Somebody knew. Uh, somebody knew that day that, that, that backpacks were being dropped in the ground and people were walking away. Somebody saw something. and But they didn't say anything about it because they were unsure of the situation or they were embarrassed by it. But the more aware, the more you were alert in regards to the bad people and the bad things, the better off you're going to be. For individuals, for, for citizens uh you know, putting together a plan of action when you're in a crowded situation. You know, it's always best to have your head on a swivel, you know, constantly being aware of what's going on around you. You know, being aware of who, what, when and, and where and so forth. Uh looking for inconsistencies, looking for red flags, looking for things that are out of place. Uh and and, when it, and, and, again, if you see something, you say something. The moment that you see danger, the moment that you sense danger, you remove yourself from a dangerous situation. If a bomb has gone off, the best thing to do is to get into the middle of the road. That way, uh, any, uh, you know, again, as long as there's no traffic, as long as there's no cars coming at you, that way any um, uh, additional bombs that may go off, because they usually happen in twos and threes, uh, they're usually going to go off in a crowded, you know, thick area, like a restaurant, a bar, or a sidewalk where there's a lot of pedestrian traffic. Uh, And then uh, it was discussed earlier, have some type of 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 a place to meet in the event that your child is lost Right? Mm-hmm. You might have some type of a code that you provide them um, mm-hmm. or, or, or a designated area to meet them, you know, maybe somewhere in the mall or a mall kiosk at the, at the customer service desk. Uh, it's the same thing if there's uh, any type of tragic or chaotic situation. Uh, you have a designated place that people get lost or if there's been a problem that you meet at this area uh, as soon as you know, something bad does happen. Um, that way, you know, everybody can be accounted for. Uh, So so there's a number of things that you can and should do, systems you you can and should put in place to make your lives just that much more secure. I mean, can you do something about a bomb going off? Not necessarily. You know, can you 100% prevent all these bad things from happening? Definitely not. But the more aware you are, the more alert you are, the more in tune with you are to your own personal security, the better off you and everybody else is going to be.
1: And as far as a family goes, how old might you start teaching your kids to be aware of their surroundings? I mean, I don't want to freak my kids out, but at the same time, you know, I want them to be aware of their surroundings. I mean, I'm going to be aware of the surroundings as well, but I'm not going to be with them forever, unfortunately, you know?
2: So my four year old is pretty alert. Mm -hmm. Um, she knows her name she knows where she lives uh, She has a hard time with her mummy's phone number or mm-hmm. daddy's phone number but um, she knows her address uh, and she knows you know where she goes to school and and so she could she could give someone enough information mm-hmm. uh, that, that a helpful adult could get that child to to back to us right. Um, or to law enforcement, who could then get his back, her back to us. Uh, w- and what that means is, is that a four-year-old is capable of understanding things. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a four-year-old, of course, is very emotional at the same time, and they can easily be confused and tripped up. But it's still a good age to you know, get things Those basic, head.
1: Yeah, those basic things, your, your address, your phone number, the stuff that they can remember.
2: Yeah, and, and, but keeping in mind, you know, she knows that it's four, we began to teach it to her at three. Mm, right, uh, right, right. And and the same thing with the seven-year-old. You know, the seven-year-old, she could, you know, read the dictionary at this point. Uh, smart kid, yeah. but, but she's also fully aware. You know, she can carry on, on a conversation with an adult. I mean, she's still seven, but, she, you know, there's, there's, she doesn't mince words.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a seven-year-old. <laughs> I know.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and so... Uh, three to four and then you know solidify these things with them as they get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it's the same thing with your spouse you know for me, I'm the security guy you know I'm the chief security officer in my family. my wife she's a little skittish mm-hmm. you know she's, she's, she gets a little frightened a little easier than most and uh, so it requires me to have these conversations with her as well uh, because you know she needs to know she, she's the security mom. Uh, And so she needs to be aware, she needs to be on top of things, Uh, and and every so often we need to have that dialogue, because I I can't just trust that she's got it all together all the time because you know she's human she's fallible right. she can become overwhelmed with fear just like anybody else can uh... and so we check in every once in a while and and i remind her of certain things and how how i think that they should be to keep the family unit secure and and, and aware and so forth and and it's ongoing dialogue you know security is is a is a journey it's it's not a destination it's not a place that you you fully arrive to see so, so having that ongoing dialogue between you you and your family is essential. You know, you can't just talk about it once and then think, okay, they're safe forever. Yeah. Uh, it requires uh, you know uh, reminders and refresh, re- refreshing talks, and 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 just so that it's 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 not necessarily top of mind, but it's 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 in the in the back of mind, so that when something was to go awry, uh, at least they have a plan of action,
4: Robert. Um what what's your all's feeling about going into public spaces now? Do you have any hesitancy, you and your family?
2: I, I never have, and I never will. Um, you know, I, I I've always believed that you know when your number's up, your number's up, uh, and that um, you know. Uh, it, it, look at, we're, we're surrounded by soft targets. You know, soft targets are malls and, and shopping centers and, and public events and, and those are easy to, to exploit, easy to hurt people. Schools are relatively soft targets. Hotels and restaurants are relatively soft targets. And look at there's being, business being transacted every day. Kids sitting in schools every single day. You know, there's there's wonderful things taking place all day every day without tragedy. Mm-hmm. So you got to go about your life. Like as, as bad as this recent event, uh, tragic event, is and was, it's not going to stop me from living my life, and, and it shouldn't stop you or anyone else from going into public spaces and, and enjoying themselves. Yeah, uh, I'm running the Boston Marathon next year.
1: I was going to ask you that.
2: <laughs> you know, I have already basically signed up with my charity, and I told them I'm running, and as long as my body lets me and my wife allows me, uh, I'm running. And there's not much else that's going to stop me, Uh, and and certainly not, you know, the threat of terrorism. And my family will be at the finish line, Uh, because that's what you do. You know, you you move on, and you keeping in mind, you know, the safety and security of your loved ones, but they'll be there.
1: Well, I, I tell you what, that's some good information. And and people that want to learn more about some of the things that we've discussed, but also to be able to get some of the really great information you provide on your blog, because you do uh, post quite a bit of blogs, um, idtheftsecurity.com. And I was noticing where you had posted recently, um, you know, 10 cheap ways to secure your home. And we only have about what two minutes, I think, two minutes left, so we don't have time to go into all of them. But just a couple examples. Um, one of the things is, you know, dogs, great form of home security. You know, those are some things, and, and you've got a bunch of others here too.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and here's the thing: like a dog itself isn't necessarily a cheap way to secure your home. Yeah. But, <laughs> but a beware of dog sign uh, is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a it's a buck fifty. Right? Uh, if you go to the the pet supply and you get a couple of dog bowls, you know, dog food Ah. and you write killer in permanent marker on the bowl.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
2: You know, you give the impression you got a big dog. Yeah. Um, if you've got an uncle who's got, you know, he's he's in construction, he's got big feet, those those army boots or those construction boots, you put those at the front or back door it's going to give the impression that some big guy lives in the, in the house, uh, less likely to be broken into. Wow.
1: Those are cheap ways.
2: Just cheap, you know, uh, ways to, to, to add additional layers of, of protection. You call a locksmith or the local police department, they'll come down and they'll inspect your home for different security issues. And they'll make recommendations based on your budget. Mm -hmm. Um, you know and, and, and a home home security system like you know home security systems today are as little as a hundred bucks um, a do-it-yourself system uh, with monitoring can be attainable for, for under a grand yeah uh, and monitoring can be anywhere from 50 cents to a buck or more a day
1: yeah and that's but, a small it's you know, really a small price to pay I think agreed and then your site which is great the site that you talked about the best and I would recommend highly for people go there and check it out because I think you'll learn a lot. You can learn a lot about all the different security systems that are out there. It's besthomesecuritycompanies.com. Robert, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much. And we will see you guys next week, but we've just had a great experience here with Robert, and all of his information is going to be up on our our, uh, website. We definitely want you guys to go there. We'll talk to you guys next week on the Housing Hour. Thanks for joining us.